All right. Welcome back to this week's edition of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson. And in this week's episode, I am pleased to have a guest with us today, a very special guest who's going to talk about a program that really starts to get at how we can reach this community of people with dementia through churches. And I believe that's a good way to do it. So I'm definitely interested in hearing a lot more from our guests. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. All right, all right, let's get it started. Let me first introduce our special guest we have with us today, Dr. Fayron Epps, who's going to talk to us about the ALTER program. And Dr. Epps is an assistant professor at Emory University. She completed her doctoral degree in nursing from Southern University and A&M College. Dr. Epps is an active member of the Gerontological Society of America and the Southern Gerontological Society. She currently serves on the board of directors of the Alzheimer's Association, the Georgia chapter. Doing a lot there, Dr. Epps. Her career as a nurse scholar is to promote health across the lifespan and increase the quality of life for family caregivers and persons living with dementia through nursing research, education and service. And I have to say that is certainly where our roads cross, as you all know from listening to this podcast, that I am a family caregiver caring for my mother with dementia. And to see what her career goal is really just uh, is uh, how we are connecting here today. So without further ado, let us welcome Dr. Bayron Epps. Dr. Epps, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That's a good way to get started for sure. All right. So, Dr. Epps, we are going to talk about the ALTER program. And before we get into the specifics uh, about that, is there anything else that you want to tell us about you in terms of kind of what led you to this work? So I'm originally from Louisiana, the greater New Orleans area, and I moved to Atlanta about five years ago. And a lot of people do ask me, Matt, how did you get involved in dementia research and focusing on the African-American community? And I have to tell you all, no one in my close family had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or, or dementia, but it was through me reading um, the literature and reading statistics that I've seen that the Black community was disproportionately impacted by Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. And like the the number that's out there is twice more likely than those um, that identify as white. And that's what really shocked me. Like, wait, hold up. You know, I'm like, this is not, we don't get this. No one in my family talks about this. Like, this cannot be true. And when I brought it back to my family, Matt, it was, they were like, they agree with me. They was like, no, that's for white people. We don't get that. Mm-hmm. But the more I started digging in and meeting some families that did acknowledge that they were caring for someone with dementia, I realized, wait, we do. It's just that we don't talk about it. 
or we call it something else. Or we just say like for my great aunt, she's just contrary. She's been like that all her life, but not recognizing some of those signs and symptoms, some of the signs that she might've had early on could have been contributing to what, you know, her dementia these days. And, you know, one of the biggest things I learned was the, the path though behind dementia, Alzheimer's disease can be occurring in your body eight to 20 years before it becomes visible. Before you start recognizing, before your coworkers, your family start recognizing it. And, you know, that's something that we, I, I mean, I had my PhD and I did not know. And so, again, that's what, like, no, you need to tackle this. However I need to do it, I want to get out in the community, uh, my community, to help others, to help my family. So we can become aware, and hopefully, as we become more aware, we can put things in place. So as we go through this journey, because it's hard, that it won't be as hard. You know, maybe we can enjoy it as well, because more you understand, then you kind of get it and you hopefully can manage some of the anger, the stress. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are certainly a lot of emotional stages that a caregiver goes through. And you mentioned anger and stress and frustration, anxiety and all of that. And then in terms of in the black community, you allude to the taboo that exists around kind of talking about someone who has this in general speaking, mental disabilities. We tend to not want to talk about that much as if, you know, it's a lack of faith that you have that you would end up in a particular mental health status as opposed to, you know, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could pray that away type of thing. And so we tend not to want to talk about it. So that's why this is a good conversation to have because we're about to merge the church community and in particular the African-American community as it relates to this condition. So let's talk about this. It's the ALTER program. Just give me a little history about that. How did you come around to wanting to start this ALTER program and what is it? So um, I don't know. I just follow God's path, man. <laughs> but um, to be honest, it's when I started doing the education awareness and I moved to the Atlanta area and being out there and doing some of my other research, um, trying to really learn about um, Atlanta, the Atlanta metro area and Georgia overall, I came to realize that a lot of the churches, you know, it's wearing this Bible belt. And, you know, a lot of, of us attend churches, attend church, but we're experiencing, we're either a caregiver or we have dementia, have signs and symptoms, but none of the ministry leaders were aware. And that was with several churches, Matt, that I realized that. And so me and some of my colleagues, we were just in conversation and it's like, what can we do? What can we do? Where do we start? And we decided, hey, we start at the church and we contacted two pastors and they were like, come, you can do it right here. Like, you know, wow. let's do it. And then um, my bishop, he called me in his office, Matt, and he was just like, um, I need you to do something in church. I was like, what? <laughs> I just pay my tithes. <laughs> I'm barely paying my tithes. Come on, I'm trying to get to do that. You know, but he really he was like, I, you know, God has led me to call you and say, you need to do something. And, you know, I share with him what well, my work is on older adults, family caregivers and dementia. And he said, what is that? 
And I started, I took that moment to um, educate him. And he was like, wow. So you're telling me my uncle who used to sit in the front room and we just would laugh at him when he get undressed and this and throw cigarettes at him. You saying he had dementia? Cause I named, I went through all the signs and symptoms and I said, more than likely. And he said, wow. Yeah. And he was like, I'm on board. And it's been him and um, also Pastor Jakes. Uh, they have been very foundational in getting this started and saying, yes, we need to do that. And it's those stories when the senior faith leaders tell me that they don't, they don't understand it. And I had another bishop come to me and say his head deacon pointed to the mirror in the vestibule and asked him, who was that? And he was looking at himself and he said, I didn't know how to respond. Mm. And that made me say, okay, I need to do a workshop for church leaders. So that those kind of comments that I, I receive is I put in place, I need to do something to help. And so that's what all really started, led to alter us turning into a full-fledged program. So at first it just was education, Matt, but then I see after they get the education, then what? Then what you do? Mm. <laughs> Right. Well, we do. And so that's when the program part came in, because now I was able to build a supportive infrastructure for the churches that are serious in supporting their parishioners and their community members that are facing this disease, this condition. And it became a two year program. And, you know, we've, we've been rolling ever since. And we started um, 2000. We started our education in 2018, February, and we signed, we made our official church partner um, in January 2020. Oh, wow. Fantastic. So, yeah, let's get into some of that. So you're saying there's a two year uh, commitment, I guess, that the churches make. What type of training is involved there? Yeah. So when the churches share that they're interested, we let them know that if you're interested and you sign on this dotted line, we're married for at least two years. (laughs) (laughs) And basically that um, allows us to support them. And so there are several different activities and initiatives that we have that we ask them to look through and select what best meets their needs, their congregation. And then we can also come up with other items because we know that each congregation is going to be different and we recognize that. So it's not just straight um, black and white, you do this or you don't do that. Um, So we work with them. And over those two years, that involves us providing a financial contribution to them. So it won't be that much burden for them. So, you know, I don't want to hear, we don't have no money. (laughs) Not, okay, tell me that. All right. And so, and then we also follow up with them monthly. We provide additional resources. We give them toolbox since we connect them to other professionals in the field because I provide education, but I know there's so much a caregiver or family that's going through this need, you know, so they need the basic dementia education, but they also need to know about life planning. They also need to know about nutrition, especially for their caregivers so they can reduce their risk. Um, and things like that. And so we connect them to these additional resources so they can have programs in place. We bring in research into the church. 
Um, our church champions, that's what we call our, our partners, they participate in uh, focus groups. So they meet the other church partners and they exchange ideas and say, what can we do to improve it? Um, and so we, I gave you some examples, but the activities that they pick from Matt is basic activities um, that really look at the structure of the church. There are some things we want to start from the beginning. When you walk in, people don't think about the black rug that may be it going into church and how that looks for somebody that may have dementia. It looks like a hole. Mm. And you may wonder why that person doesn't want to come in church. Wow. And wow. so we walk with them, you know, right now, uh, before the pandemic, we would go through the church and look at those certain things, the colors of the walls, the pattern of the carpet, and those are the things we'll work with them with. And then the other activities um, we work with them is caregiver support, mm -hmm. um, awareness, and worship. Wow. Those are the other three things that, you know, so we help them if they want to modify a worship service. Um, we will work with them on that, ways they can do awareness to include the youth, and then also support for that caregiver, care partner, and then also for the person living with dementia who wow. have different ideas. Fantastic. That really sounds good. That sounds like wraparound services where you're not just focusing on the church and having them be more sensitive to just being inclusive, really, in the service that they provide, but also something for the caregivers as well and getting that information out, helping them to... You know, especially if it's somebody who's new to it, as I am, as a matter of fact, um, if I could have gotten information from the place where I'm going every Sunday anyway, uh, how wonderful that would be. And man, it's interesting to talk about just making the actual physical building essentially accessible for people with dementia. I know one thing, you know, overstimulation for someone who has dementia can be rough if it's a lot of loud noises or people, you know, coming up and touching them or what have you. So having that type of information and education for the church so that they're dementia friendly, essentially, definitely, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I know that you are in Atlanta, um, but are there churches that can participate if they are not in the Atlanta metro region? Oh, yes. I think that was one of the opportunities or um, a benefit during this pandemic. We learned how to um, include churches outside of the Atlanta area, learn how to do more things virtual and put things in place. So we are currently, we do have one church that's in Chicago, but we are currently looking for churches across the country because we have resources throughout the country that we can connect them to. Fantastic. And the stuff that we do deliver to our churches, it's not just Georgia specific. And so I think that's the great part. So if anyone that is listening is interested, we would love to talk with you. Uh, we do have our target areas that we're recruiting heavy. It's Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and of course, Georgia. And the reason for that is because of the prevalence of dementia in the Black community in these states. You know, right. we work for the epidemi epidemiologists and we looked across the board and, you know, we want to see in the next 20 to 30 years, where is this going to be hit heavy? Not even the next 20, the next 10 years, right. you know, and these are the areas, these are the states that she was able to provide statistics. And she 
even broke it down to specific counties. And so we, if anyone's listening that's in those areas, we would most definitely love to talk with you. But if you're outside of those areas, we can also talk with you, see how we can partner and support you. Fantastic. And so what type of criteria are you looking at in terms of whether or not a church will be able to participate? So the criteria is commitment from the senior leader. Okay. That's the biggest thing. Um, we have to speak with the senior leader and have them committed to this initiative, to this effort. Um, that's the only way that it would work. Um, so it's not about the congregation size. I'm not sure if that's what you maybe right, could have been right. alluding to, but it's not about the congregation size. So we we do small churches. We do some churches that don't even have a building. They just refer to themselves as a ministry and they have an online ministry. So the size doesn't matter um, if they're in the in a physical church building, if they're in a shopping center, if they just online, none of that matters. The biggest thing is that the senior, senior leader is committed to this initiative. Fantastic. All right. And so what benefits have the churches seen so far? I know you've had a, a few that have already been in the initial rollout. Have you been able to hear from them in terms of things they've appreciated or learned about uh, since being yeah. in the program? So, um, so I get calls very often. Um, I never thought, Matt, that I have so many pastors calling me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's, it's crazy. But they, you know, one pastor, she called me and she said, you'll be so proud of me. You'll be so proud of me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what? And she said, I, one of my new members that joined church Sunday, she joined and she said that she want to come to church more, but she's taking care of her mom with dementia. And I told her she can, because mm. I know what we should do to make sure that her mom enjoys service. Look at that. And I spoke to her about she shouldn't sit close to the music because that can stimulate, you know, and she said it felt so good to be able to talk with her on that. And she said she brought her mom to church the following Sunday. So those are things like, yes, yes. Um, I've had seen churches um, put, they take the resources that we give them and they create their own programs. We have one AME church. They created a care partner retreat. I had nothing to do with this. Wow. That was kind of sad. I was like, y'all didn't call me in. <laughs> but, but again, that just speaks to they took the education, the resources, the support that we give them. And now they do a retreat for their caregivers once, their care partners once a month. Wow. And bring in stuff for self-care, also um, things to help their loved one living with dementia. So to me, that's a win. Like, yes. Absolutely. I had another church partner this past some um this past weekend. She contacted the uh, one of the councilwomen, and they put together a um I forgot the name of their some like a festival, but it was something caregiver awareness event. Okay. They brought in Prince Hall. They brought in everything. And I did not lift a finger. My team just showed up, and to me, that's it. Yes. That, yeah. That's the churches that are like, yes, the ministries, like, we need this, we need to help. And they're using the resources and what they've learned. And they've just taken it and ran with it. And, you know, to me, those are the success stories that I love to share. 
That is wonderful. And the good thing about that, that will continue long after you're gone and doing something else. They will have that program in place and probably building on that to support the caregivers in their church community, faith community. Fantastic. Any challenges, any pain points so far with rolling out the program? Yes, I know I'm all happy and jolly. (laughs) Yes, everything's going great. But, you know, yes, there have been several challenges. Um, And you know, I, I don't like to call them challenges. I just see them as um, more opportunities. opportunities. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when you work with churches, you know, this is all new to me because um, raising up and being in the church, I always seen the pastor as really high up, you know, and you don't talk to them and stuff. So I, me personally, I had to overcome that barrier. And be able to come straight to them and let them know what the problem is, mm. you know. And I personally had to realize I wasn't. Um, I'm not coming to teach them from the Bible or quote any biblical scriptures. That wasn't my role. My role was coming to bring them the resources that I had so they can really serve the people. And once I realized that, it made it easier for me to communicate. So I had to go come over that hurdle on how to communicate with these senior leaders um, that may be over mega churches or some smaller churches, but they're busy. Mm-hmm. The next hurdle is, OK, when I do do that communication, I get pushed to the side sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I had to recognize that each ministry church, they have their priorities. They have their agenda. Right. And not to be discouraged. Um, and for me not to be discouraged, I just needed to be persistent because mm-hmm. I know that if it's not attacking their ministry or their congregation today, it will tomorrow. Right. So this is something that it, until there is a cure, it's going to happen. And so I just had to be persistent and patient. So many of times I've had to go back and talk to alliances, return two, three times given the same spill, but it's until something hits them. Yeah. And unfortunately with this, it might be hitting them and they don't know it because someone might just stop coming all of a sudden and they're, you know, go on the sick and shut in list and get prayed for, but they don't really know what's going on or what's happening. And so, yeah, the awareness can be difficult when you are not aware of what you're not aware of. So, all right, anything else in terms of those challenges? Yep, exactly. When they're they're not aware, and um, I, I want to say those were those were my I say the biggest challenges. But okay. it, and it's okay, and it's still going on today as I meet with the churches. And you know, for others that are out there, especially if you want to bring this program to your church, I always say, don't get discouraged. We just have to keep coming back and bringing bringing it up. And I share stories. So when I hear these family stories, especially, you know, when I tell a pastor that one of your church members, they're mad and they stop coming to church, they leave the church, in fact, and they stop tithing because you do not care. And you probably really do care. But the thing is, what they're going through, you don't understand it. Caring for someone with dementia is a different type of caregiving. Totally. And until you can recognize that and be able to support them and see how you can meet them where they are. And, you know, sharing the stories and 
how, you know, people are so shameful. And so they are not going to come forthright out and tell you, you know, but the past always, they always ask, so how are you doing? And what's the immediate response? Most people say, fine. Exactly. I'm fine. And that's not the case. So, so, you know, it's teaching them to recognize those signs and symptoms. But again, we cannot be discouraged. I think, you know, this is a place where everything happens. The church is where even historically all the movements have came from the church, where they meet at the church. That's right. (laughs) So I think, you know, I look at this as another movement, but I think it can help all, not just those with dementia, but it's just making the churches aware and being really part of it not just bringing someone in like me running a program no this is actually the church taking its own teaching them how to do it yeah essentially teaching them how to fish i like that and real talk a lot of people trust the church more than they trust their doctors or the hospital or the medical field so if you can arm them with this information and help them to just be able to know which direction to go in and how they can better serve their community that, you know, which is really what they're there for. Uh, it's a win-win. All right. So how can people reach out to contact you or the program if they're interested in learning more or if they're interested in seeing if their church can be a participant in the altar program, where do they need to go? So um, first thing is you can um, give us a call at 770 Seven seven three zero. I'll repeat that again. Seven seven zero six eight six seven seven three zero. You can also visit our website if you'd like to learn more about the services in my um, our program, and that is visiting alterdementia.com. And alter is a l t e r dementia.com. And if you want to just send us an email. You can just send us an email at outreach at alterdementia.com. And just one more time for the email. Outreach at alterdementia.com. All right. And if you're mad, if they want to just talk to me straight directly, if they don't want to get my coordinator or anything, they feel free to email me at my um, work at Emory email at F as in Frank Epps, E-P-P-S, at emory.edu. All right. All right. Well, this has been some excellent information. And Dr. Epps, I want to thank you for coming out and sharing the information. And there will also be in the description to the podcast, the contact information for individuals who are interested in learning more Southern states. That's kind of the target. But even if you're outside of that area and you have a church community and you're trying to just increase your own awareness and understanding of this to help your flock, please reach out to Dr. Epps. So thank you, Dr. Epps. And we're going to talk to you again next week because we want to hear more about some other exciting programs that you have going on. So thank you for joining us. And thank you for listening. For those of you who are caring for someone, absolutely do that. But also make sure that you are taking care of yourself as well. Until next week, take care, everyone. Dementia in black and white.